we, we, we should rap about things that we like, like, like food. That's what you bugging as death, you know it. We're gonna be like the Partridge family, but with food. You like food, don't you? Got any uh, white bread? Yes. Oh, white. I am the spaghetti. Duval, you're not the spaghetti. I am the spaghetti. Let go of the lid. Just spaghetti in here. Is this organic? Sure. Is it grass fed? Yes. Cruelty free? What's so special about the cheese maker? As the saying goes, you are what you eat. And I am freaking cheese. <laughs> Okay, how was it? Mm, I wouldn't kick it out of bed for eating crackers. How about four beans, Mr. Tiger? I'd say you've had enough. So this is the uh, second cheesy podcast, as <laughs> Sal likes to call them. <laughs> With a bit of ambient noise in the background. Well, it's not as bad as last time. Last time I um. I grabbed the wrong headphones and I, I couldn't work out why one of us was really quiet and one of us was pretty good and then I, I got home and realised that the headphones had a microphone on the cord. <laughs> you get the Will Anderson Achievement Award oh, for efforts, to, efforts in podcasting Te- technology. Technical ability is, uh, it should be my strong suit but it's not. Yeah, well, you know, it's all, all very complicated. But the good thing about podcasts is they have nice cold beer, which this is. This is true. We're bench testing some lovely uh, Australian pale ales. What are you on there? Yeah, it's nice. Is that the Squire? You're on the Squire 150 Lashes, and I'm on the um, the Kosciuszko or the Kosciuszko pale. You're an an Australian. I got um, enough of this Kiwi fancy name. Well, I got pulled up by a Polish person calling it. Kosciuszko once, and it was it was so humiliating that I've, I've tried to get it right ever since. <laughs> <laughs> I think if, I mean, if you walked into the bar and said that, though, they'd probably go, no, nah, mate. Well, that's exactly the experience I just had. I do explain that very same story. We don't serve that beer here. Nah, mate, you must be some kind of coffee. And yeah, I have to that. say, we've turned on a, a, a nice Brisbane uh, spring day for you. A little bit sticky. It's, it's quite pleasant. It's, it does all right. It's it's not, nice to be outside yeah, in the. Um, should we point out that, that do we need a sponsor for the podcast? Because this podcast is brought to you by the Fox. Yeah, by the Fox Hotel. Come for all... the food and stay for the ambulance. Up the anyway. We um we haven't been kicked out yet, so that's no, good. That's fair enough. Mm. So you're up here for a conference, Doctor Yobo. I am. How was um, how was conference food? It was food? good. I won't I won't cross the streams just by uh, by talking about the my um my secret life as an actual person, but uh, no, it was really good. Conference food, I am incredibly obese now. Eating mini pies. If anyone asks who ate all the mini pies, it is actually me. Deep fried spring rolls? No, they were fairly, fairly upper market. It was interesting that uh, they had the welcome reception Monday night where, you know, they had drinks and nibbles and there were all these, you know, uh, artistically created volivants that were, you know, sort of shredded salmon and all kinds of things and they were all getting largely ignored. And then, then the waitress just brought out the meat on a stick. And, and it was, it was just, like a plague of locusts descended. I just can't go wrong with meat on a stick. I, I was at a coaching for, for State of Origin a couple last weekend. No, two weekends ago. And um, yeah, they knew their crowd. They, they, <laughs> they started serving the food about six drinks in, and it was all deep fried. And it, and it and it was the same wrapped thing. Wrapped in bacon. It had, it had lasted about three steps into the, this heaving yeah. alcoholic crowd. Oh, oh. That's actually a, a good trip for um, any young uh, conference attendees. And I know you have a lot of young researchers who listen to your podcast. Yeah, that's true. Um, We're very big in the research crowd. Yes. Station yourself as close to where the food and the beer come out and just elbow people out the way. Out the way. You, you don't know how far they've budgeted. 
they might have only put on, you know, a thousand bucks 15, worth of booze. Yeah, minutes. you might. The, the, the beer you save could be your own. Vanessa went one year to uh, to Fremantle, and uh, they had the conference dinner at. What's the free a brewery? Uh, little creatures. Little creatures, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, she's sending me back photos, going, "Here I am at the conference dinner." And I'm like, "Damn, I knew I should have stayed at university." That looks good. Uh, the freebies are well. This is the interesting thing is that we're we're organising a conference next year, and and um, of course, the very first thing we sort out is who's doing the beer for the for the conference <laughs> dinner. And it turns out we've managed to find people who'll do. Um, Emerson's, which is a, a legendary Dunedin craft brewery, and um, and Central Otago Pinot Noir. So uh, mm, very nice. That's, that's kind of a taste of the South thing, and yep. everyone will be blind drunk and, and too hungover to enjoy the coffee. Yeah, I was going to say like New Zealand beer. Uh, Australian beer is getting better, I think. But yeah. when when I was in New Zealand, shit, that was pre-kids. So at least four or five years ago, I was just blown away with. Not so much the quality of the beer, but the quality of the beer at the lower price level. Like yeah. they had craft beers, cheap craft beers, yeah. all over the well, shop. All the beers cheaper because the excise is lower, but also yeah. they do have a lot of different. Uh, the craft, I mean, the craft brewing scene is very strong here in Australia. It yeah. certainly has blown up in the last what? Well, how long? I've almost been away ten years now. Uh, ten years next February. Yeah. Um, oh, you go into dance now, and there's walls and yeah, walls yeah. of craft, well, craft well, Australian. You go down to Melbourne, and there's a there's a pub on Little Burke, I think it is, called Mrs Palmer's, which is just Victorian craft beer. Yeah, right. And there's like taps and taps and taps, and it's just stuff you've never heard of, and stuff you've heard a little bit of. And a couple of blocks, you know, down at Federation Square, there's a craft uh, beer joint underneath Federation Square, which has, you know, walls and walls of stuff. It's just amazing. Mm. Yeah, great the, for the drinkers. The, the, the days of uh, Forex Gold and Forex Heavy being well, your only choice in Brisbane have long gone. Well, I say that, but the drinks at that um, that welcome reception were um, Han oh, Super Dry oh. and Han Super Dry 3.5. But that that's the thing, I think. That's the difference. Like, you quite easily go somewhere in New Zealand and have a Monteith or, mm. uh, you know, a Max or yeah. um, Stoke. And, and, like, you just don't have those sort of everyone drinks craftier sort of labels in yeah. Australia. Well, it, it is. James Squires, maybe. But if you look at that bar over there, I mean, you've got, the whole thing is James Squire and, and a whole bunch of other slightly, um, it's, it's not, you actually have to go looking. I mean, you and I both remember a time when we first, you know, first came to Brisbane, that you know, every tap was 4X bitter, yep. 4X light. Maybe the, it was hard enough to find two years old at the RE at the, the turn of, of last century. Yeah. Turn of this century, last century. I, yeah. I can remember when I first started running the pubs and I signed up with Carlton United and they were telling me the figures that the market dominance that Forex Gold had. Yeah. And it was just. It was just like this massive big Buddha that just squatted that? over the Chris rest Handy of Chris Handy basically squatting yeah. on everyone. <laughs> I used to live opposite, over the road from Chris Handy and he's as big as he looks. They used to, any anything that I wanted to promote Carlton Mid-Strength, they would just throw yeah. promotional material at me in droves. They're like, if you can take... <laughs> they're they're like, it, yeah. I, I think they said that one year they took like 0.5% of gold and like the, the national manager was like, you guys are just brilliant. Yeah. This is the best result ever. It's a blow for everybody. So um, was, that, was that all the market or was that just the tap market? No, no, we, 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 we didn't sell any. 
tap beer at the alley. We, were too, oh, so we didn't have enough bar space. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was all bottles. Yeah. yeah. But even, even in that kind of mid strength range, the. the um, make sure that's not me. Sorry, folks. That's all right. Um, we'll might be a good. We'll pause. We'll pause. And uh, I'll go and get we'll another be, beer. We'll be right back. It's funny, actually. I turn up to coaching. We're recording again. Um, I turn Welcome up, back. I turn up to coaching, and the first year I coached, and I was just learning. I was a little bit stressed. And, uh, yeah, the, the last couple of years when I've been doing the podcast before and I've had a couple of wines, and I rock up, let's go, boys. Yeah. <laughs> let's have some fun. It's, it's not the Bill Belichick approach. No. Well, that's... It'd be turned up half you, you, you definitely don't want the Bill Belichick approach this year. What's, that, what's, what's happening there? We might have to talk about that next mm. time. Um, that will be the so bonus part. Beer changing. Is we've gone for the... Uh, you're on the Squire Copper, the, uh, yeah. the Constable, which is their new mid-strength. And it is very nice, it's and, it, and it is aptly named. It is a very copper colour. Yes, it is the colour of a ten cent piece, dirty copper, dirty copper. It's been tweeted. Oh, we might as well get a. Well, I'll, I'll cut your head out just That's to keep your anonymity. Oh, what the? Get my shirt in. Actually, um, um, oh man, the, 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 the kid, the Curtis is funny because Vanessa loves her photos, and he and he tolerates her for about two, and then he's like. No photos! Like, mate, you got the paparazzi thing down yeah, pat. Yeah, it's going to go on punch a pat and knock him out of the way. So I'm on the uh, little creature's bright. Mm. And this goes to that point we were talking about just before the break, that um, it's harder to find shit beer. I mean, yeah. it's still around, but it is... Oh, you, you could definitely drink shit beer, but like, like And, you and said, you'll pay to not drink shit beer. That's right. That's, that's I think, the difference is in, in Australia, they like, yes... It's it's good beer, and you're fucking gonna pay for yeah, it. Yeah, true. They're gonna say, right, if you want, if you want that value, just the same. If you want to buy a, an Audi instead of a Volkswagen, there is an audience that want to pay that, even though on paper it's the same thing. You know, a Volkswagen Golf is effectively the same thing as an Audi A3. It's just a little bit nicer, and it's a little bit shinier, and it's got certain elements to it that certain people see value in, and that's certainly the case with craft beer. And well, you, you'll be disgusted to know that the uh, cheap beer I buy just to have around the house. At thirty-nine dollars a carton is uh, Tui from New Zealand. Thirty-nine dollars a carton. Yep. Did you know I bought? Um, that's I, I that's bought, that's cheaper than Forex heavy. I bought a dozen um, Tui Lager just to try them because they're a new a new line they bought out. That was sixteen bucks for a dozen New Zealand. Yeah. So that's what that's thirty-two a carton by equivalent. So. Yeah. I can't. I just it just you know I. You could have Tui's new or Four X, mm. and I'd just rather drink Tui for that yeah. price. Well, I've, I've was always a rep for um, that Tasman Bitter from Liquorlead because it was actually a Bode's. <laughs> it was like Bode's original or something. Yeah, but they brewed under license. Yeah, it's a long way from the um, Tui's Red that I used to drink in my Tui's university red. days. Actually, we we have a little tradition at, at, in my Touch Footy Club at the person who's done the stupidest or um, you know most random thing the week before gets the gets a singlet that they have to wear for that week and um, and then has to buy the beer for Friday nights and so I got it because for the third time I've been the assistant coach of the Queensland 30s team and lost all three series because uh, it's your fault I mean, yeah clearly, that's, that's right clearly, clearly it's all down to you you're fine the offensive coordinator from, 
from the assistant the coach coach's an position. And, I'll, and, I'll, and I've forgotten the singlet, so I'll get it again tonight. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I walked into um, into Dan Murphy's and I'm like, right, because it has to be cans because they drink them at the fields. Oh. I'm going to find the most random cans I can find. And I've got this German beer, 440 mil cans, mm. 1.7 standard drinks. Was it Bavaria? Uh, it was a white can. Okay. Um, Bavaria is actually a German-sounding beer that's made in Holland, but that's very cheap over in New Zealand too. Well, this was thirty-two bucks a carton for four forty mils, and yes. I was just like, "This is probably going to be really rancid." And everyone looked at it and went, "This is not going to be good." Popped them, and they were really good. Yeah, that's the thing. There's a lot of nice sort of German and Dutch, you know, generic, generic kind of international lagers. I know the Bavaria was one they always used to have at Liquorland and. Um, there's quite a few others as well. Uh, Bitburger we get quite a bit off. I and mean, I was in um, Pack and Save, which is like like the most budget supermarket you can get in New Zealand. It's kind of like Franklin's used to be, if you remember back that yes. far. It's seven years, Franklin's. Yeah, well, it's the same kind of idea. It's just stack it deep, sell it, sell it cheap sort of thing. And they were, they had um, half litre cans of Bitburger for two bucks each. So that was quite good. Half litre cans for two bucks each. You'd have to drink them in New Zealand because in Brisbane they'd be warm by the time you yeah, got halfway through. Yeah, you basically need to freeze them like it was like a Bitburger sl- <laughs> slushy. Tip it into a margarita glass and it'd be on your way. So did, did you get fed every night here? Like was there conference dinners to yeah, go well, to every there was night? A, there was the conference, the welcome reception was, was Monday and they had lots and lots of nipples. That conference dinner was last night but I didn't go because I was catching up with my um, with, with family. Uh, and also because They'd made it black tie. Really? And I was thinking, it's Brisbane. It's 27 <laughs> degrees at 10 o'clock at night. And you want me to wear a dinner suit that I have to bring across. That's right. That yeah. I don't own. That you have to pack from. <laughs> yeah. Like, so that, would, that uh, was never going to fly. So we, we just went to. Uh, actually, we, this is something that, that I thought was interesting. Um, so we went across, my uncle and I, um, we went across to Hamilton to that new port site, well, that new ish mm. port site. Uh, Eat Street Markets. Yeah, well, we didn't go to Eat Street. We actually just went to the Italian place there. Yeah, yeah. They did good eats there. And I was thinking, you know, this is tremendous. The food was really good and and the service was good and all that sort of stuff. But it it sort of struck me that, I mean, that's only been there for like five years at the most. And I think Eat Street's only been there for two or even a year and a half. It's not very long. And we're here in, in South Brisbane where... You know, nothing here in South Brisbane is older than 25 years old. It's all it's all new. Um, it, it strikes you that I was talking to my, my uncle who, who works in planning, and he, he sort of said, you know, he'd lived in he'd lived in Brisbane for probably 18, 20 years now, and he said the problem with Brisbane is that it doesn't really have a defining character in terms of its architecture, and and the reason for that is because everything is so transient. Mm. Everything that you enjoy about Brisbane has only been there for a very short period of time, time. and it's probably going to get bowled flat and replaced with something else. I mean, if the experience of you know well, Brisbane under Joe, when they bowled everything flat and replaced well, with something I think else. that's the, the really interesting thing about Goma is it's like this anchor that sits on the mm. landscape because it's so popular with so many different demographics. Mm. Like uh, um, Vanessa's parents took Curtis to an exhibition at Goma. Like it's popular with the kids, yeah. it's popular with the arty types. But how yeah. are, but Goma's only yeah, it's relatively it, new. It's, it's like post, it's, it's post expo, so it's, yeah. it must be nineties. Yep. Um, I'm thinking the oldest thing I could see in, in all of Southbank was, was Stefan's enormous penis. The space <laughs> the space needle that he built there in the in the eighties. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's no there's no. Um, Frio or probably Dunedin 
1800s architecture no, hanging there's, there's around. No, what's the thing you think of Brisbane, Sydney and, and Melbourne, and it, it's defined by the things that have been there a long time. And, and in Brisbane, there isn't. And that's, it's a city that's constantly remaking itself. And that's really cool and interesting and um, makes it very dynamic and vibrant. And it plays to that new world thing. But it does leave you wondering, what actually is this place about? I think I think you've sort of, especially with the food, like the food is. Um, the food is amazing here. I have to definitely flag that. There's so much. And it and it's still evolving. Like there's oh. still sort of. I think the thing is when you don't have those traditions, is that you can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can smash ha anything into anything. You can have a have a have a try yeah. and see what's going down. Like I still have not Planet Parenthood being what it <laughs> is. Um, the, the the one that's the uh, Esquire, which is like our um, fat duck, or you know, it's that real top shelf. Yeah. But but evidently, it's it's laid back. It's not mm. black tie. It's not formal yeah. dining. You, we could probably walk in there and have a feed, and no one would really look at us askance in, in t-shirts and yeah. long pants. I mean, the, the attitude I always associate Brisbane was, was was that relaxed subtropical dynamic. But the funny thing is that there is a a subpopulation within Brisbane that wants to be have that old school time mentality that wants yeah. to to dress up and almost because it, the weather is so unamenable to that. Yes. You know, if you went to the flash schools, you want you know getting dressed up with a long cocktail frock or oh, a, man. a he heavy coat is actually a big deal and it's sort of it's a status symbol. I can remember coming to Brisbane and going into town on the train for the first time and, and seeing all the private school kids yeah. come out of school in their boaters and, yeah. and jackets Jacket and ties. And this, this is in yeah. January and I'm like, I remember turning to my mate going, is this fancy dress up day? <laughs> like it has to be, doesn't it? I mean, it's so weird. impractical. Yeah. I just could not believe that. But, you know, those traditions, they, they, they cling on. Yeah, well, it's, 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 I was going to say, it's almost like a religion because it, but it often is a religion. It's, yeah. it's a religious underpinning a lot of that sort of thing but it's also uh it's a it's almost like you know, british migrants to the early, to early australia clinging to their own traditions that remind them of home because yeah. it brings order to a, a chaotic landscape and maybe this that's kind of you know the, the 2014 version of that that's complete the, toss, but there's, yeah. there's a really good uh, little dumplings place over on that port side fantastic and one of the one of the podcasts we've got lined up to do not not far down the track is there's a yet little yakitori place that's opened up in oh, west yeah. end yep. that just does, does chicken skewers meat on a stick you can't yeah. go wrong with meat on a stick and evidently it is just freaking awesome they do a uh, a, ch a chicken skin which is like the next pork crackling yes, so it's I just just bowls of chick fried fried oh, crispy chicken God. skin <laughs> it's just like <laughs> that, is, on standby. that is fantastic you know <laughs> michelle bridges has nothing to well, do with that you know. That would be her kind of hell. You drag her in there and you make her a chicken skin. That's really one of my uh, least. Actually, at least the martyr's relatively close. That's right. You just roll in. <laughs> you roll in uh, covered in chicken grease. I'm done, boys. Do your worst. Yeah. yeah it's nothing. But the best one I, I ever saw when I was share housing, and I, I'm fond of the uh, animal fats. But uh, the first time. I, Don't take that out of context, <laughs> The first time I did a big pork roast mm. for. Um, for the for the house, you know, and I love my crackling. Did the crackling, yeah. and Store I saw, salt, yeah, so I saw it rip it off and 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 you know put it on a plate before yeah. you start chopping up the pork. And I saw this one of the girls. She picks it up. She gets the big 
you know, 700 mil sax assault and like shakes. Like, no, no, not, not the shake of it, the pourer. Just pours the salt onto it. And I'm like, it's got half a kilo of salt on No, you got to have the salt on I was like, wow, you right. just you have just taken yes. it to the next level. And she died a week later. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But she's well remembered. That's the important thing. Yeah. I'm serious. So, so what's the what's the food culture from your area then? Because you've I mean, got a real Scottish. Um, it is, yeah. Well, it's, it's, so it's not everything so much, deep fried. Yeah, well, it's not so much that. It's not so much the haggis. What it's got is because it's it's a uni town that's that's embedded in it. I'm from Dunedin. Well, I'm not from Dunedin, but I've lived there for about ten years now. Uh, and it's got a real local produce um, angle. There's a very strong farmers market. Yeah. There's a lot of local. Uh, every nobody can be at the farmers market if they're not actually a farmer or a local producer. Um, it's not one of these places is, where you get a lot of middlemen rocking up and yeah, flogging off. Which is a, like, that we do have those markets, but there's a lot of middlemen markets. Yeah. And you go there it's and it's, it's, Sal and I have talked about before, it's like, well, you're selling the same stuff that Woolies does. Yeah. It's come from Rock Lee. Like, yeah. it's come we from the same stuff. We could just go there ourselves. Yeah. Or, or you could, like, it's the same stuff that's in Woolies. Mm. Like, there's no advantage to, yeah. to going. And actually, on the flip side of that, when I was in North Queensland, um, I went to the Atherton IGA oh, yeah. and, and I walked in and I, I didn't know I found this out afterwards but there's a real strong Italian community yeah. and Greek community yeah, there up is, through there. there is a lot of tobacco farming and uh, banana yeah. farming up there and they had there was anyway with the tobacco farming they had bags of spices mm. just open on this yeah. on this big stand and I'm like I'm not like talking pepper and yeah. salt but like 50 different spices and little bags and you just came in and yeah. you know you bought 100 grams of spice i've got a vague recollection of being at the mariba markets up there and just seeing fruit i'd never seen before like those yeah. those amazing sort of five-pointed star fruit and all the rest of it just stuff that and more more mushrooms than i've seen in most woolies in brisbane and i was just like this is you know supposedly a backwater in the middle of nowhere and yet a chain supermarket has all this amazing fresh it's food it's a little bit like a me, it's a little bit like the North Queensland version of, say, Lismore, where you've got a very strong yeah. um, the local, in that case, a very strong Italian community that, that, that is the basis of the farming community, and it imbues all the local uh, culture and cuisine with that kind of quality to it. So it means, I mean, if, you, if you're in, you can always get good salami in Lismore, where yeah. you're not going to do that in Grafton, for example, no. because they're a lot more angler. And I, I guess the isolation sort of works in their favour there because. That, that then the supermarket sort of becomes the hub yeah. and you either cater for them or you don't get exactly. any trade. And it becomes kind of a special thing they do. Yeah, and you probably need a specialist sort of um, manager for that. You know, you'd, you'd, you'd have to get someone All that understood need, it. You probably just need a contact with um, sort of people who bring them in because I yeah. know in, in Dunedin we've actually got a, um, there's a specialty Mexican food place. Um, it's actually connected to a, uh, a really good Mexican restaurant and not just one of those horrible, you know, yeah. Chain, ones ones. Bun, you know, combining the same four ingredients different ways, sort of thing. They're actually really good, uh, but they all they import a whole bunch of, of good Mexican food and beer too. Like they get the tecate and the, the dos equis and all that sort of stuff in, um, and they use it to you know not only to sell but also to 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 sort of power their restaurant. Yeah, and I think that's probably the same kind of model if you're in. Um, yeah, I've got a few butchers that do that in, in Brisbane, actually, that where they've got a butcher shop next to a cafe or a restaurant. Mm. And they sort of use it 
A, because they can use the, the produce from the butcher in the cafe, but, but B, you go and have a steak at the, at the restaurant. Yeah. And you're like, wow, that's an awesome steak. Where did well, you get that from? Yeah, well, we got it from next door. Yeah. Come back on Monday and buy the steak. So. I was going to talk to you because you you are an expert on beer. Mm-hmm. Beer on tap versus bottled beer. Yeah. So Cooper's Pale Ale is always my best example of this. Mm-hmm. Like I like Cooper's Pale Ale in a bottle, but I reckon it tastes 10 times better on tap. Well, there's a, there's a lot of factors involved in that. One of them is obviously the... The beer in a keg is probably fresher. I mean, whatever's been, and particularly with Coopers because they bottle condition. They put them in, and, and you'll notice on a bottle on a clear Coopers, it doesn't have the best before date, it has the best after date. Oh, right. So you meant to sort of let it run for a bit. But, uh, and so it sort of ages quicker in a keg than it does also, in a bottle. It's also an aesthetic thing. I mean, it's nicer to drink, drink beer out of a glass than a bottle. Yeah. You've got to remember that those, um, almost like the placebo effect, those, those sort of subtle psychological effects actually do impact on your enjoyment of the thing. It, it affects how you smell it, it affects how, how the mouthfeel is. So you can take the same beer and put it in two different vessels and it will actually change the way it feels. Speaking of our uni days, the re used mm. to crank up the, the coldness of their taps on a mm, Friday afternoon yeah. in anticipation for, um, you know, being smashed on a Friday yeah. night. So if you went like at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon before they swapped yeah. out the glass for the for the plastic, because they used to swap the glass out for the plastic God, at a certain I, time. I can't remember that. Yeah, so when you might have been a bit. What year did you do uni here? Oh, I was a postgrad, so I was there in the in the two thousands, and they went oh, back okay. to glass then. I think I think they must have calmed down. Yeah, so on a Friday night about six thirty, they used to swap, like literally pull all the glass trays out and put all the plastic yeah. ones in. But if you went there at like three thirty on a Friday afternoon. The beer was like just short of freezing. It's a beer slash because they used to have those taps that were actually they used to sell them on the, promote them on the basis that they had a little temperature meter yeah. on the tap. I must have accidentally hit the mic. No, it might have been the water dropping around. Possible. Water, beer. Yeah. I don't want to touch it because then I'll. Um, we have no idea what where where you're joining us from or where we left that last point. But geez, it was funny. You've missed out on so much. <laughs> yeah, I just there's just something about beer on tap, and that I've always wanted to know. Like, well, cr- some beer can be gassed differently because when you gas it, um, when when you gas it in a pub, obviously the lines are different. Um, the amount of carbon dioxide, and of course you can use nitrogen for some of those dark, you know, denser beers like. Yep. Um, like you kill pennies and Guinnesses and, and all those sorts of things. So that can dramatically affect the mouthfeel because you get that very kind of smooth, very small bubbles that you get with nitrogen. I know they're like the ibis of beer, they're just everywhere, the coronas now, but I've always wanted to know what corona would taste like on tap. And I don't think they actually do it on tap. I had a mate go to Mexico and she never found it on tap in no, Mexico. I don't, I, don't, I don't think they have that actually because you, you, I think the problem is it. In Mexico, where it can be quite remote, you're not you're going to struggle to find a pub yeah. that's got power, water, compressed air. That's right, I suppose. And you've got to keep the, the, the things if, clean. If, if the fridge goes off and the bottles get warm, that's not the end of the world. Yeah. You're just chilling back down again. But if a tap goes down, you're screwed. Yeah, and when it's, yeah, it's, you can get pretty manky. And it also might be cultural thing. They're used to, to drinking um, beer out of bottles. Yeah, 
throw them up in the air and shoot them afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Under, like, no, it's it, it's <laughs> that's all right. I, I, I watch a show called uh, Mock the Week. Oh, yeah. a British TV show, and they're talking about all the uh, Scottish jokes that they normally would tell. And if, if Scottish got independence, they'd, be, they'd then become racially um, insensitive, and they wouldn't be able to tell them anymore. And they're like, and they they're wonder not why they wanted to leave. And they're like, they're not racial now. No, no, it's just it's just gentle joshing between mates. Uh, I love that show. The British do, do definitely well, still do satire better than like the British who complain about being called a whingy pom. It's like, is that, I mean, yeah, the very technically that is racial stereotyping. And, but it, the problem is if it's science fact, what do you do? Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's how we got here. So, so lots of French, so does, do you get the same sort of melting pot cuisine things that are... Um, we do here in that you've got no established traditions? No, I won't. We're, we're talking about food, right? Yeah, so it's, it's more dictated by the produce. And it is, that far south, it's fairly monocultural. I mean, New Zealand's not a monocultural country. There's a lot of, a lot of Maori influence, obviously. There's a lot of Indian and Chinese and, and, and Northern European. But as far south as we are, it is fairly white. Um, but it is, it does have a very, because it's a union town, it's got very strong uh, coffee culture. Seafood? Yes, seafood's very good. Um, uh, craft beer culture is excellent. It's probably one of the leading places in the country for that. Has been for about 20 years. Um, whiskey distilleries. But wine, the, obviously. Yeah, well, yeah, the wine from Central Otago. Um, so what about being a uni town? Have you got like food trucks and like little yeah. little pop up sort of places like? Yeah, we got a few food trucks. Um, probably the most famous of which is probably the, the Bacon Buddy Man, who, um, who has been at the farmers market for many years. So it's bacon. A Bacon Buddy is a is a British delicacy which has made its way to New Zealand. It's basically bacon in a sandwich <laughs> with uh, butter. Well, a bit of butter with with sauce, a bit of mustard, a bit of onion. But it really depends on how the bacon is cured. And the fellow who does this um, just cures his bacon beautifully. It's just astonishingly good. He also does, you know, hot dogs with bacon and that sort of thing. But it's 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 nowhere near as complicated as as the the real the more adventurous food truck culture, which they do have in Auckland, based on convincing TVNZ cooking shows on it. But um, yeah, it's it's it is there, and you do see quite a lot of it about. One thing I was going to talk to Sal today about was Helen Razor gave um, Master Chef a good kicking. And not that I'm opposed to giving Master Chef a good kicking, but it was interesting how she thought it was. Was she short of material this week? Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Helen Razor. <laughs> As anyone would follow me would know. But I think she confused. Food culture with chef culture, and the the thing that Sal and I sort of have in common is that we're not both massive chefy eating snobby, out yeah. eating out sort of people. Like Sal eats out a lot because she just knows a lot of people in that industry, but we're more about stuff that we are 
that we you know can cook ourselves and that we want to learn ourselves and that the interesting thing about raisins is she did this whole thing on MasterChef which was sort of you know the pornification of food and doing a whole heap of stuff that isn't really about the food and the the she was the, really short of material yeah the, the tension between saying oh you know we buy all local and seasonal ingredients but we're sponsored by Coles that, mm. that you know import grapes from America in in September um, but then at the end she gave the cook and the chef a good kicking and like they're completely different markets the cook and the chef like Maggie Beer is your, your sort of prototypical cook made good she's not a chef you know she cooks stuff that you, you'd probably have a crack at most weeks in your own kitchen and that's the whole idea well, one of the problems is that unfortunately Helen Razor who I once respected quite a lot is that she's kind of turned into a an internet troll with a with a writing column, and that's mm. really kind of sad because she's, she's like, the left wing Andrew Bolt. Well, I she's become she that, or she's become kind of Dick Dawkins with a with slightly more scary hair, just <laughs> lobbing hand grenades into things to see what the reaction will be. And likes it too. Like that's oh, the hell thing. Oh, yes. uh, I don't know why. Why do you read the comments, John? Because <laughs> he's, he's paid to. But. But she was like, oh, like, three comments in, someone's had a go at her, and she's fired right back up. And I'm like, you've, ri for it, you've written this, gone, send, all right, bring the comments on, yeah. here I come. I want to hate when he blocks someone. That's an interesting point, though, with, with respect to the um, seasonality of, of food. When I was a kid, I couldn't remember you know, I figured all food was, was, was made in Australia, or fruit and veg and that sort of stuff. Was because when I moved to New Zealand, it struck me that, oh wow, the bananas are from Ecuador and the Philippines, and, and the grapes are from the US, when they're not from here. I was like, wow, and Australia, it's quite hard to have it all in the one place. But that's also because people like Bob Cattle were quite good at keeping those barriers up. Um, what were actually trade barriers disguised as biosecurity barriers, and the same is probably true of the Australian apple market. Well, they were defending it against the New Zealand But the funny thing is, I think, is it was a trade barrier masked as a biosecurity barrier that actually did some good biosecurity things in the well, long term. Probably did, yeah. But but that wasn't its problem. It's probably sole purpose. Yeah. It was to, to protect the, the markets of of, um, of that particular the, the particular politician's area, and that's you know that's how it works. The, the funny thing is with the supermarket versus seasonality versus tasting is I'm, I've never been a massive fan of cherries, right? We went to see some mates of ours in, New in um, Tasmania and we went to a pick your own farm and the cherries there, it's like just blew me away. And I guess... The size of golf balls and they're just well, amazing. These, these were different ones. They were like a like a pale pink, okay. not like a deep red, a little bit tartar, um, but I just couldn't, like I had a kilo of these things and I just could not stop eating cherry after cherry, and the raspberries were the same, but, and I guess if you came from New Zealand to North Queensland and had a mango, like a really nice r 2 some horrible green thing that comes in from Peru, which That's is right. the sort of mangoes that we get over there. So, 
the seasonality thing, I, I think, also comes a little bit back to taste. Because if you've got to transport something a long way... Yeah, or stick it in a cold store for, for 12 months like an apple. That's not going to work out. But the funny thing is that the seasonality has encouraged me as a cook to cook to the seasons. Yeah. Like to do um, to do asparagus in in, uh, in summer. You mm. know when, when it comes through because fresh asparagus, I was asparagus is terrible shit. Oh. But done well. Done, fresh asparagus, fresh is done well, Just grill it hot, olive oil and, and salt, pepper, or a bit of grated cheese, parmesan, or whatever you want. Um, it's just amazing. And even Brussels sprouts are like that too. If you get them fresh, you do them well. They're uh, basically anything in, in olive oil or butter, salt, pepper is going to be good. That's true. But that that all of those vegetables that have a sugar starch relationship, and once you pick them, the sugars this convert. Is science, folks. Hey, you're the scientist. I don't even have a degree. I'm retired. <laughs> they ran me out of town. It's science with a T. Mm. But, but we like that's why I grow asparagus because that fresh picked asparagus yeah. you cannot beat it. Yeah. It is just unbelievable. Fresh anything. I mean, we've noticed this because we've got we've got chooks mm. in our we've got sort of a run that runs. That we're we're right on the the urban um, sort of urban rural fringe. Literally, the front door is suburbia, and the back the back fence is, is a sheep farm, uh, which is one of the lo lovely things about Dunedin. You can live like that. Uh, but we've got some chooks in the backyard, about six of them. And what I've noticed is that the eggs you get out of them, you know, everyone always says, oh, free-range eggs are the best, fresh eggs are the best. It's that and more. I mean, I could never actually poach an egg successfully mm. until I used, you know, bum-fresh fresh eggs. eggs yep. Like, day-old. And then suddenly it was the easiest thing in the world. Mm. And they didn't just sort of explode like the Milky Way. They would just hang together like a, yeah. big, a big football. It's fantastic. And then you understand things like... Yeah. Even... Like, obviously, I like my milk, and I would like my cows back. If you're listening, cows, please come home. I'm telling you, you need to you need those flags yeah, on the mobility oh, scooters. No, no, I've 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 been authorised by the other half to buy some uh, dog GPS collars. <laughs> so I'm not losing them again. But um, we've been buying, and and this is the thing that's starting to push through Queensland, and I guess a lot of other places. But now you can buy four different brands in the local IGA of unhomogenized milk. So it's still pasteurized and it's it's not standardized. So scenic rim they, batch they, batch variability. Yeah, that's right. If if you know as the summer rains come in the grass gets greener it's going to change yeah. it's going to change flavor. Yeah. Who cares? You know. So I, I, I don't know where that came from in the 60s where there was this this thing where everyone thought that milk had to taste like milk and if you brought Paul's and I brought Scenic Rim and you came to my place and it didn't taste the same, that that was a bad thing. I just, I, but I, was it a was it a standardisation process? In the, and was it, in fact, the fact that what you often got in New Zealand whereby it's a single producer who, who is actually producing the milk and then other groups are on selling it, whether it's Meadow Fresh or Fonterra or... Yeah. Or, I mean, this is actually one of the interesting points about the, the supermarket duopoly that it's walloping, um, sorry, the supermarket duopoly that's, that's walloping the dairy industry in Australia doesn't have a chance of doing that in New Zealand because 
90% of the dairy is, is run by Fonterra, which is a, um, a farmer-owned cooperative, and they control the milk price. It's, yeah. not, it's not you, Woolworths, um, you can stick it in your back. You can sell your milk for a dollar a litre if you want, but it's your, yeah. your loss leading will be your loss. It's yeah. not going to be anybody else's. That's, and that's why I buy that scenic room and Mulaney as much as I can, yeah. because... Um, you know, I want someone like Mulaney Dairies to succeed. Because otherwise you'll end up with Woolworths branded. And, and it is fucking terrible. And the same with bread. You end up with this nasty, generic, arse-flavoured white bread. It, it does nothing Man. for you. It's full of sugar. And well, Woolies is promoting 85 cents. Bread. Their New Zealand offspring, which is Countdown, are doing dollar bread. And it's terrible shit. But the thing is that you know it was it was baked by Goodman Fielder in the same rack as the, the Goodman Fielder bread that they're charging two bucks for. Yeah. So you figure, okay, Goodman Fielder can wear that. You know, it's not like a small uh, you know, small operator's getting hammered here. Right. It's, it's another big multinational corporation. Yep. But where where they're you know buying up small you know stocks of things from people and running them right to the margin, like they did with the fruit industry, that's that's so a bit unconscionable. What's the apples like down there? Do you have a nice broad some range are red of apple and some are green. Not to get all doctors loose. Like <laughs> no, we have we have a um, what what scientists refer to as a shitload of apples. Of all kinds of um, Brayburns and um, Pink Ladies and. Do you get the cocks? Uh, yeah, I think we do. Yeah, we get them. We get you know, probably five or six varieties grown regularly because we're. Up around Cromwell, which is in central Otago, they have a lot of, of what we would call winter fruit, which is apples and pears. Yep. Um, and they're, they're right through the middle of the year, they get harvested in, in sort of late spring. Um, and then in the summer, you get the cherries, you get the stone fruit, fruit. peaches, uh, apricots, nectarines, plums. Um, you can't beat it with peaches. Yeah. And of course, the grapes, which, which produce a certain kind of crop that's just fantastic. I can remember when we went to um, we gone to the Barossa Valley with my dad, who's a bit of a old bushy, and um, he loves the red grapes, the red wine grapes. Mm. And oh, we're, Pinot grapes are He's we're going past this vineyard, thank you, and uh, and he sees his truck. That wasn't a rim shot, by the way. He's, he sees his truck going past. And it, and it pulls up, and he's like, oh, and mind a bunch. Jumps up on the back of the truck, reaches in, pulls out a kilo of grapes, jumps off the back. It's, it's not the produce section at Wally's. Oh, uh, that were damn good grapes. Well, this though. is actually the thing, because there's um, one, of the, one of the little um, vineyards from Central Otago actually comes out of the farmer's market and often just brings, um, along, as, along with the Pinot that he's selling, which is fantastic stuff, it often wins the in New Zealand awards, even though his winery is, his vineyard is literally, you know, it's just a paddock. Postage stamp. Yeah, yeah, but he just does. He said, he, he calls himself the Higgs boson of, of Pinot. They're so small, they're almost undetectable. But, but they just do such fantastic work. But sometimes they bring Pinot grapes along um, and just have them for free for you know, kids to try. And it's just, wow. just pitch black and such yeah. incredible flavour. Well, I'm not a massive Pinot fan. As so would attest to. Well, Australian Pinot is shit. It's just terrible, terrible shit. Sorry, we, Tasmania, it just is. We went through like um, eight weeks of podcasting where I go around to sales and go, you want some red wine? Yeah, sure. Uh, all I've got is Pinot. 
so it's we, a bad time to point out that i brought you a bottle of central peanut oh well we'll see we'll see how it reacts yeah. but the thing is that good pinot i mean the problem with bad pinot is kind of thin and stony yes. yeah and, and often thin, thin is the word that i would have it's kind of it doesn't have any body to it um, yeah it almost feels like you pour it out and you taste it and you almost feel like they've watered it down. Yes, that's exactly right. And often, if you take New Zealand, if you get Pinot from, say, the further north you go, the less body it'll have, but the more aromatic it is. So that's good if you're going Pinot Gris, the white one, because you want that to be more aromatic and the body isn't yeah. quite as important. So if you get Pinot Gris from, say, Marlborough or Nelson, top of the South Island, that's usually really good stuff. Yep. Uh, if you get if you get Pinot Noir from up there, it can be a little bit thin. So, you, and that's the Tasmanian. That's that's kind of yeah. that's kind of the Tasmanian latitude. So that's one of the problems they have. So I wonder, I wonder why they make the red and not the white. Because sells more. Yeah, and also because because I guess Pinot Gris doesn't have the um, the culture of the Australian market that Pinot Noir has. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, the white market is pretty crowded. I mean, if you're going to drink white, people go to a Shardy, go to a Sag Longa, because Marlborough is very good at Sag Longs. Um, but yeah, I mean, a good Pinot Noir uh, should have that big round kind of, almost should be like a, like have that big rounded punch of a, of a good Australian red, like a Shiraz, but without that kind of tannin bitterness, just with huge roundness. So making hand gestures that you can't see at home, folks. Podcasting's always good. Yes. Nah, I've been. We need a video. We need like Bill and Jalen. <laughs> I don't. Never, I, d- I don't know whether that we need would to be go that well. Suspended for three weeks Please. just for saying the truth about. If, however, if ESPN are listening and want to pay us, yeah, that, would, that would be fine. Yeah. We can say things to get a, get, get suspended. <laughs> no we don't like Roger DeGale. I'm sure ESPN ESPN didn't lose from that publicity. No, I'm sure Simmons won't either. But um. Yeah, I've been I've been drinking a lot more red since I've been yeah. since I've been running. Actually, I find I come home and just the thought of it, like I'm sort of dehydrated, mm. and the thought of a beer just just kills That's me. Interesting, because the one thing I really want when I mow the lawn is like a nice sharp pilsner. Yeah, but I think I, I think I've run enough that I go past that stage. <laughs> what you actually want is an IV drip. Well, yeah, that's right. So I come home, I like scoff like six glasses of water, and then have dinner, and then it's like uh, I don't feel like a beer now. I want a, I want a glass of red. It's really an energy drink. If you look at what it's made of, it's sort of mostly water with sugars and, and yeah, other uh, other salts in it. It does, does dehydrate you though. It's, it's well, I don't think it's the alcohol. It's a Gatorade on steroids. That's a fairly key ingredient to me. True. I've had beer without I, it. And it's, I don't know whether it would be as popular historically as it, as it was have, without the alcohol. Have you had that um, that alcohol-free Cooper's beer they've got? No. Um, enrich your life by not having it ever. It's, it's, Vanessa, Vanessa tried a lot of um, de-alcoholed wine <laughs> um, when she was pregnant. Just grape juice from attitude. Yeah, well, or super, super sweet or... Oh. Um, there was actually that same IGA. We got some nice, um, like, sparkling red oh, yeah. that tasted pretty much like wine. It was the closest thing, but we were flying home and didn't, didn't load yeah, up on it. that the effect, though. I mean, I had that some of that uh, alcohol-free beer. Uh, I just went... This tastes like ass. Why would anybody drink this stuff if it yeah, didn't have alcohol in it? You'd be better off drinking 
ginger beer yeah, or, or, or Coke yeah, or something. Or Even that Coke's probably worse than the beer. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we might wrap it up, Mr. Dr. Yogo. We're going to be doing that, yes. And uh, we we'll, might come back tomorrow with a non-food related yes, podcast. Yes, we may well do that. With a lot less amb- well, a lot different ambient noise. Might be crying babies no. and, and cows. Yep. All right. Gotcha. We, we, we should rap about things that we like, like, like food. That's what you bugging as death, you know it. We're gonna be like the Partridge family, but with food. You like food, don't you? Got any uh, white bread? Yes. Oh, wait. I am the spaghetti. Duval, you're not the spaghetti. I am the spaghetti. Let go of the lid. Just spaghetti in here. Is this organic? Sure. Is it grass fed? Yes. Cruelty free? What's so special about the cheese maker? The saying goes. You are what you eat, and I am freaking cheese. Okay, how was it? Mm, I wouldn't kick it out of bed for eating crackers. How about four beans, Mr. Tiger? I'd say you've had enough. Um.